So I mentioned we were overseas the last, well, week and a half or so. We were in the UK for uh, four or five days and then went over to Ireland. And during that time, we got to see some amazing sights. We stayed in one building that was uh, 700 years old. We walked in uh, churches, if you will, church buildings that had been there for a thousand plus years. And it really puts in perspective the history. This particular body of believers is, I think, what, 117 years old or something like that. And we think that's pretty old. Then you step into the uh, old country, and boy, we have nothing on them. And so we flew back a few days ago and spent lots of time over there thinking about things. And, of course, we're celebrating 4th of July tomorrow. It's the date that we have to celebrate our independence from the country we just visited, so they don't celebrate it. But it got me thinking about liberty and about freedom. And I suppose there'll be lots of people who preach on that topic today, and very rightfully should. This country was founded upon these ideas. It was initially sought out as a place of religious liberty by the pilgrims many years ago. And then we, we began our insurrection, if you will, against Great Britain. A lot of that was founded on the ideas and principles of freedom and liberty. Something that we should work tirelessly to make sure we maintain in this country, as I believe there are two things that have allowed it to be the uh, wonder that it is, one of which is this concept of freedom, and the other one is certainly, I think, our faith in our Lord. And we see that reflected in many of our great hymns that we sung this morning talking about our freedom. But there's something more important than just our legal freedoms and our liberty to do the things that we do. Those are important, and we're thankful for those who fought to maintain those, and we encourage those who can to continue to fight. I'll just quickly say, I think, well, I know every year there's a, uh, a ranking done for the freest countries in the world, and I think we're somewhere down to like 17th or 20th place, so we probably have a little work to do. But regardless, we are free to be here today to worship our God the way that we see fit, and I'm thankful for that. And that's certainly one type of liberty, but another type of liberty or freedom I want to talk about is our spiritual liberty and our freedom. And I will stand here today and combine with what I just got done, kind of introducing, uh, encourage you and say that I believe that if we are not free spiritually, then we will not maintain a free country legally. I think those two are bound together, and we can see that through history. And of course, the church has uh, come through many, many years, thousands of years of different forms of governments, of tyrants, of different control, but we see an overwhelming blessing in this country and a great religious liberty that came and pushed our um, legal liberties as well. So I want to begin by reading 2 Corinthians verse 4. I'm sorry, verse, I'm sorry. <laughs> I told you I'm a little tired still. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 17. I want to start with this one single verse. Now this is wrapped up in a very interesting uh, passage which I preached on before. I don't recall if it was here. And is worthy of returning to at some point to talk about Moses and why he wore a veil and what he used the veil for. And that's wrapped up in this concept. 
But in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17, we see a very specific verse. It says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Or your translation may say liberty. Same concept or similar concept expressed regardless of how it is translated. So what does it mean to have liberty? What does it mean to have freedom? Of course, again, these are questions we contemplate and think on over this holiday weekend, but I want us to think about it spiritually. We have liberty in the Lord. And where the Spirit is, there is a freedom and a liberty that is different from when the Spirit is not there. Now, this can be taken way too far, and we can say, well, because we know Jesus Christ, we have liberty or freedom to do whatever we want to. And I certainly think that's not the case. And again, that's probably a a whole separate sermon where we talk about what we are and aren't allowed to do within the liberty that Christ gives us. But I think this verse, rather than talking about what we could do physically, is very specifically talking about what we can do spiritually, who we are in Jesus Christ and whether we have liberty. And so the first reason that the Lord is that spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. I think it's entirely possible that the Apostle Luke, when he's writing this to the Corinthian church, is reminded of what Jesus Christ himself said, quoting Isaiah. We'll go back to Luke chapter 4 if you want to be, I'll be there for just a minute if you want to read this. Luke chapter 4 is a reminder, Christ goes to the temple very early on. And this is really the beginning of what we call his ministry that lasted around three years. And he is uh, next in line for his turn to read at the synagogue on the Sabbath. And so he was uh, handed a scroll. I'll just read rather than paraphrase because it's written very well. Luke chapter 4, beginning with verse 16. And, it, and he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. Listen carefully. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He had sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recover of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed upon him. And he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And so Jesus Christ goes to the temple. He has handed the scroll. This was part of their worship ritual, was to have someone read a portion of scripture. Interesting, we do that today, obviously. And he unrolls to the point in Isaiah chapter 61. And he quotes Isaiah chapter 61. And he says it in such a way that he tells them by the way that he reads it. And then later that this is fulfilled today in your hearing. Basically telling those who are listening, you've been waiting for thousands of years for a Messiah. Someone to come and to take all of those who are captive. All those who are in bondage of sin. All of those who are blind and cannot see. To release them from all those things. And he stands there today and says, I am the one this was talking about. This has been fulfilled today in your ears. This is a a powerful statement. No one misunderstood exactly what he was talking about. They knew that he was referring to himself and they marveled at it and stared at him. 
And he confirmed this with his own voice, adding, Today the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And so when we think about having liberty in the Lord, we think about having freedom, we are to and ought to think about these verses carried from Isaiah the prophet who said this is going to happen to Jesus Christ who read these verses and said this is fulfilled today, thousands of years later, where we today look back on these words and understand and contemplate and consider that the Spirit of the Lord was upon Jesus Christ, who was anointed to proclaim the good news to the poor, and he was sent to proclaim liberty to the captives and recover the sight of the blind and the liberty of those who are oppressed. Now, many can read this, and in fact, I'm sure several have, and especially back then, who thought, well, this is great. This is our new king who has been sent here physically to uh, help us throw off the yoke of the Romans who had captured the area and were controlling it. And in fact, we see in several places in the scripture where they tried to force him to become a king and they wanted a, a insurrection, a violent overthrowing of the government so that they could set up their government as they had been instructed in the Old Testament. But that wasn't why Jesus Christ came. He didn't come to give them physical liberty. He came to give them spiritual liberty. And when we understand properly the difference, we would prefer spiritual freedom to physical freedom any day of the week. And for those who have been saved, who know the free pardon of sin, who can look back realizing they once were blind and now they see, they once were dead in their sins and now they are alive, they once were a slave to sin but now are set free to live and serve God, we see and understand that difference and we should know that there is a huge difference. And what Christ came to do to give us freedom forever is better than a temporary freedom that he could have given them by overrunning the Roman people. And so this sets the stage for what we're talking about today. And I believe this is probably what the Apostle Paul was referring to in his message when he said, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. So being in liberty means that we are not in a bondage to sin or death. We are free. Those of us who are saved are free and are liberated from those things. Now there's many, many verses that I could read, and I'll try and be somewhat short today, so I won't read all of them. John 8 and 36 reminds us, So if the Son sets you free, then you will be free indeed. Well, who set us free? Well, He did. And who is Jesus Christ? But the Son of God. And so we are told that when the Son sets us free, that we are free, that we have liberty, that we are free indeed. Free to do what? Free to worship Him, free to know Him, free to love Him, and free to love others as we love ourselves. Free to worship Him as the dictates of our heart tell us to. We are free because He has set us free. And again, while we celebrate, and rightfully so, those who have died and those who have fought to ensure our freedoms legally in this country, we should not forget tomorrow to celebrate the one who died to give us eternal freedom and liberty, and that is Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. Galatians 4, 3-7 discusses this as well. It says this, In the same way we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of this world. 
But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. And so you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. And we see in this beautiful passage the concept that Christ is trying to teach us, that the Apostle Paul is trying to teach us, that we once were a slave. We once were born into bondage, and that bondage and that curse is sin. And I've said this over and over again, and we'll continue to say it because it is at the heart of the gospel. We were not born good people. We were born sinners. We were born into a world. We were blind, and we didn't even know it. And before we cared about Christ, before we loved him, he loved us first and sent his son to die in our place so that we wouldn't have to be a slave or in bondage to the sin that corrupts us. And for those of us who are saved, those of us who have been set, say, uh, set free, Romans 8 and 2 reminds us, and because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. I have a somewhat unusual criteria for movies and TV shows that I enjoy. Most of them I don't. But there's one in particular I've seen a number of times and really enjoyed. It's a prison movie. And it has some difficult parts, but there's one thing that kept coming to my mind over and over again. The inmates are having this discussion and they're talking about someone else and they call him institutionalized. And they're explaining that he's been in jail or prison for so long that he doesn't actually want to leave. Now, I can't really identify with that, and I doubt many of you can either. But he explains it in this way. So when you first arrive here, he says, he says those prison walls, and this was set back in the 40s or 50s, so great big, huge stone prison walls. These prison walls, you didn't like them. And he says, after a while, you kind of got used to them. And then when enough time passes, you depend on them. Brothers and sisters, this is an illustration I'm trying to make of how sin is. We are born in a prison, and initially we may not like where we're at. But eventually, if you stay a sinner long enough, if you stay and remain unsaved in that prison, after a while you kind of get used to the walls that you're in, and eventually you get so comfortable with them, the idea of leaving to do anything better just seems almost impossible. And I think this is why, among many reasons, it can be so difficult to see someone who has some years under their belt, let's just put it that way, be saved. Because they've gotten so used to the sin that binds them, that keeps them in, that they can't even imagine what a life is like outside of it. Even though the door for anyone to walk through is open and free, and that door is Jesus Christ. So we often fail to realize the miserable state that we're in. Those who are unsaved fail to realize maybe they're comfortable with the way that they're living inside the walls of sin. Maybe they don't realize or don't believe that there's a life outside of the sins and the the shackles and the things that keep us uh, bonded in. They don't believe in this liberty. They're afraid of it. For whatever reason, many of us refuse to ever leave the confines of sin and seek the safety and the liberty and the freedom that is outside of sin, and that is in Jesus Christ. 
Many people in this world will try to climb up another way. But the scriptures clearly teach us there is one way to heaven, that is through the Lord Jesus Christ. The gate and the road is narrow, but it's also free. We can spend our entire lives trying to break out of this prison that we're in called sin, the wrong direction, and never fully achieve it when all we have to do is turn from our wicked ways to see the door that is Christ, the scripture calls him the door, and to go toward him and to leave the bondage behind into freedom, into liberty that Christ died to give us. Many of us who've been saved for many years had the exact opposite. We've forgotten the bonds and the walls that we used to live inside. It may have been years since we came to know the Lord, and we forget what it was like to be living inside of the bondage of sin and what it was like to leave. Brothers and sisters, let us not forget. See, that is part of our amazing testimony that we have, how the Lord saved us individually, how we came to faith in Him, how we seized His grace, how we exited the prison of sin, and what it has been like since to not be captive to the things of this world, but to be set free and to have liberty in Christ. And I think if many of us who have been set free would stop and consider what life was like before we were saved, we would be encouraged and maybe even compelled to go and rescue others. But many times we seem very content just sitting on the outside of the wall, jiding and teasing those who are inside rather than providing the direction to leave. I think it's because we failed to remember what it was like when we lived in slavery. Romans 6.14 reminds us, Sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law, Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Brothers and sisters, this is huge. This is monumental. This is what the world has been longing for since it lost it with Adam and Eve in the garden. The desire for us to be free, to know God as he desires to be known, to be known by a living God who loves us, who wants to give us freedom, who wants to give us liberty in Him, who doesn't want to see us blind and shackled to the things of this world. The King James translates uh, the verse I read earlier to the beggarly elements of this world, the things that aren't of any account. But we give our lives to these things over and over and over again. We waste our time on these things over and over again, either because we've never been set free from liberty, we are still a captive and enslaved to sin, or because we fail having left to keep ourselves pure. We possess a freedom that others don't, those who've been saved. It's what I was trying to get at before. We should be and ought to be thankful for the country we live in, for the freedoms that we have. And we should fight intellectually and physically, if necessary, to continue those freedoms and make sure that the next generation can come and worship freely as they desire, to live freely. But we must not forget that we know the secret to spiritual freedom, and that is Jesus Christ. And that should be at the tip of our mouths more often. So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up in slavery to the law. It's a looser translation of Genesis 5.1. Let me read it again. 
So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up in slavery to the law. Who would want to go back to living in chains? Who would want to go back to being blind? Who would want to go back to the horrible parts of this world, the elementary principles, the beggarly elements of this world? Unfortunately, sometimes we want to, don't we? We can get tempted to go back and say, you know, that was pretty good when we were there. And let's be honest, I think it's somewhat natural for all of us, even the Hebrew children as they were being miraculously taken out of Egypt. They cross the Red Sea that's divided. They do see all these amazing miracles. Everyone who was there saw all these things that God did for them. They get a little bit hungry and they say, oh, if we were just back in Egypt where we had our onions and our peppers and we had the good life as slaves. And we read that and we go, how could anyone possibly want that? How many of you, I'm talking to those who know the Lord, have been saved. How many of you have wanted to go back, at least on occasion, to something that you shouldn't? Some type of sin, something that's holding you back. Want to go back to something that you shouldn't do. I think if we're honest with ourselves, all of us have, at different points, seen and wanted to go back to something that we had before. We must avoid this. Why? Because Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure you stay free and don't get tied up in slavery to the law. Let me make sure you understand, this is not talking about salvation. I will stand here today and repeatedly tell you what the scripture, I believe, makes clear. That once you have been redeemed by God, once you have been um, given a new life and a new name, once you have been saved by His grace, you cannot undo that. God will not change His mind. He does not change His mind. He does not have to forgive you again. However, we, as believers in Christ, can make choices and find ourselves in this life tangled back up into the bondages of sin, making poor choices to return to the way and the lives that we lived beforehand. And we must be careful about this. So while we can have a life of liberty, knowing that our eternal soul has been saved, we can return in this world back to the things of this world, and what a sad state. Now, I don't know a whole lot about heaven. I don't know anybody, anybody who does. There's a little bit in the scripture. There's a whole lot we don't know. But it seems to me that even though heaven will be a wonderful place, there will be some mem- remembrance of how we lived our lives here. Now, again, you won't be judged. You won't get to stay or not stay on your merits. That's not accurate at all but there will be some way that we are judged based on what we've done and we'll be rewarded for how we've done so in case you didn't realize i think i mentioned this a few weeks ago the scripture tells me that i will be specifically judged for how i perform my duties as your pastor wouldn't it be a shame to get all the way to heaven and look back and regret most of your life because you returned to the worldly principles after you've been saved. Wouldn't it be disappointing to get to heaven and realize you wasted the life you had here? Wouldn't it be disappointing to say, I never shared the gospel with this person. I never told them about my liberty and about my freedom. 
and I should have done it. And so my encouragement to those who are here today, again, when we celebrate our liberty, our country's founding tomorrow, let us also celebrate the liberty and freedom spiritually that we have in Christ and let us tell others about it because there is a lost and dying world that is still blind, that is still shackled, that is still in slavery to this world. Let us keep ourselves pure. Let us keep ourselves clean and let us tell the world about Jesus Christ who died to set us free. We cannot and should not be controlled by sin ever again. We must be careful to not let sin rule us. We all make mistakes, but many of us, even believers, allow a sin to have control over us and enter, at least on this side of the world, back into slavery and bondage to that. True liberty and freedom comes from Jesus Christ. End of story. And as I highlighted before, if we want more liberty and freedom in this country, then we need to have more people who have liberty and freedom in Jesus Christ. This is the cure for a country or a culture or a family or a church or anything that's failing is more Jesus Christ. Freedom in him is the cure for whatever ails us here. John 14 and 6, Jesus said to them, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We look around at our culture today in the U.S. And I would dare say anyone who's listening to me today is not really excited about the things that we see. I join you in that concern. I've preached and talked about that concern. The only way out of this is not through thinking our way out of it. It's not through legislating our way out of it. It's not through picking the right political leaders. It's not through making sure we have the best Sunday school teachers. It's not making sure you have a, a, a slick speaking preacher at your church. It's not even church membership. It's about your service and dedication to God. It's about being set free to worship him and actually doing it and separating yourself from the things of the world that want to keep you back. He is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through Him. If you want freedom in this world, you must go to Christ. If you don't want to be enslaved in this world, then you must go to Christ. If you want to know Him and the free pardon of sin, you must go to Christ. End of story. He is the one, the only way. He is the door. He is the way, the truth, the life. Everything comes through him. It begins through him. It ends through him. 2 Corinthians 5 and 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So, brothers and sisters, my question to you is very simple today. Have you been set free? Or are you still in bondage? Because what I have told you today, and many of you have been here for many Sundays, I have tried to tell you over and over again. Your friends, your family, your relatives, other church members have told you over and over again 
how to be saved. They have told you why it is important. They have testified of their own self of when that time came. You know that there is a door to leave the bondage of this world, and yet you stand or sit looking at it, refusing to put your faith in it and to simply walk through to be free. Which means you're still stuck in prison. You're still stuck in your sins. You are still dead in your trespasses. You are still as blind as could be. But you have heard and know the truth. And because of that, there is no excuse. If you want to be free, if you want to live a life that is fulfilling, if you want to live a life according to the gospel and you want to be rewarded for it in the afterlife and to be reunited with the God that we have been separated from, then you must put your faith in him, not in anything else. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. The old is the opposite of liberty. It's bondage. It's slavery. It's indebtedness. And my prayer is that the Lord would reveal to you just what a horrible person you are. Because we are. That he would allow you just to temporarily glimpse what it's like to go from seeing, from seeing nothing, being blind, to what it can be like to have your eyes opened. To give you just enough of a taste to let you realize what liberty and freedom in the Lord is like compared to way, the way that you are living and where you are living so that you would understand just what needs to be done to know Him. The greatest liberty that we could possibly possess, the greatest freedom that there ever is, is freedom and liberty and being saved and knowing the Lord Jesus Christ and Him knowing you. Scriptures in John talk about that working both ways. And the Scriptures in James confirm to us that we can all know about God. That's, that's good. That's one step. But it also says even the demons know who He is. And they're afraid of Him. Does God know you? Has He set you free from the chains that you wear? Has he spoken to your life? Has he told you? Has he revealed to your life that you are stuck in sin? If he has, then you must pray to him in faith. You must seek forgiveness until it is given to you. Sometimes that takes a few moments. Sometimes it takes longer. Never give up. Never get so used to the sin in the world we live in that you lose your desire to leave. Never be so happy with the things that are around you that you lose your understanding and perspective of what it's like to live in liberty and freedom. And now I'm talking to those of us who have experienced salvation. Let us not go back to the principles that got us here to begin with. Let us move ahead let us seek after him. Let us truly discover what it means to have spiritual liberty and freedom in him so that he can use us how he desires to so that we can move in and out of this world so that someday 
at the very end, he can look at us and say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Pray with me. Lord, I ask that you would use this message to soften our hearts. Lord, I pray that those who are here today who have never been saved, Lord, that you would remind them of the trouble that they're in. Lord, that you would open their eyes so that they can just glimpse what it's like to have sight. Lord, that you can position them so they can see what it's like to have the liberty that you want to give, the freedom that you want to give. Lord, that you would allow them to to see the walls of sin that have enclosed them and are keeping them back. And Lord, I ask that you would encourage them to seek after you. The only way to escape that bondage is through you. And so, Lord, I ask that you would convict those who need to be convicted. And, Lord, those who are experiencing that conviction, Lord, would truly repent, seeking you for salvation, to put their faith in you, to finally be born from dead to life, from blind to sight, from being captive to being set free. And for those of us who have been set free, those of us who have been blind and now see, Lord, I pray that you would remind us of what our captivity was like. Lord, that that would be used as an encouragement for us to live a life worthy of the calling that you have given us. Lord, that you would remind us and warn us never to go back to the things, to the way things were before we were saved. But Lord, to live into the liberty and the freedom that you have given us in this world. And to share that joy and that comfort and that peace with others. Lord, I thank you for this country. Thank you for the freedom and the liberty that we have. But Lord, more than that, I'm thankful that you saw fit to prepare a way for someone who is as horrible as I am to be forgiven, to know you, to be reunited with you, to have a relationship with you, to speak to you, to be heard by you, to know and to be known, to have freedom, to live this life, not worrying about the end, not knowing what will happen, but Lord, knowing with certainty, whenever my time is up, I will have complete liberty, absent from this body, present with you, living and loving you all the remaining time that we have for infinity. Lord, I pray that you would move among us, that you would help us to find you, help us to follow you. In your name we pray.